Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. We are in uh, the final week of a short two-week series that we've called Out of the Cave, and we've been looking at the life of Elijah, and we've been specifically kind of focusing in on um, uh, depression. And it's a, um, I think today is a, a perfect timing. I think it's so perfect that only God could orchestrate it because today actually kicks off Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, and so I can't think of a better way to kick off Mental Health Awareness Month than to look at what God has to say about helping us come out of the cave of our emotions and with depression. And so if you missed last week, um, uh, this series is inspired by a book by Pastor Chris Hodges. Um, He pastors one of the largest churches in uh, the nation. Uh, Last week, we talked about um, kind of some of the behaviors and the lifestyle choices that get us into the cave with our emotions. If you missed that, you can catch it on our Facebook page or uh, YouTube. Today, what I want to do is I want to talk about five things that, um, that I believe uh, will help us out of the cave if we'll begin to apply them in our lives. And so uh, this morning, grab your Bibles. We're going to head to 1 Kings chapter 19. And uh, while you're making your way there, let's, um, let's pray today. If you're new, we just say this prayer together as a way to kind of prepare our heart for what the Lord wants to say. So uh, say this out loud with me, Father. As I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So a little bit about Elijah. Elijah, I think, is one of the most interesting and intriguing people in the entire Bible. Elijah is a guy who um, had a tendency, though, to experience some, some really highs in life and some really lows in life. He saw God do some unusual, amazing things through his life, but also a guy who struggled with depression at times. And what we read last week, even to the point of wanting to take his own life. And we see these emotional swings and what they would cause Elijah to to do is in some situations be bold and decisive and other situations be fearful and hesitant. And so Elijah, we see in 1 Kings chapter 19 that he's he's on the heels of these two jaw-dropping experiences where God shows up in a mighty way on Elijah's behalf. And then only a few verses later, we find him overtaken in his mind by by a threat that honestly, um, this threat would be like a modern day equivalent to a nasty text message or some comment that somebody would make on Facebook or Instagram that we didn't like. And what we see is that this threat for Elijah, that it does a number on him mentally and emotionally. And we see his response in verse four of chapter 19. It says that that then after receiving this threat, that he went um, on alone into the wilderness 
traveling all day, that he sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he would die. Look what he says here. He says, I've had enough, Lord. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but I can tell you this, that I've said that a few times in my life, that I've had enough, Lord. Like, I I don't know if I can carry it anymore. I don't know if every time I move and start into a new week that it's like I'm hitting my head against the ceiling again and again and again. And Elijah's like, I've had enough. And he says, take my life. For I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Now, obviously in this text, we see that Elijah is in a dark place. He's in a dark place like many of us, including myself, have experienced in my own life, in our life. But what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about the rest of the story. I want to share today five things that are really what I'm going to call steps. And the reason why I call them steps is because at some point in our lives, at some point with our emotions, at some point with with the fog that we live our life in, that we have to make a choice that I don't want to live in this cave anymore, that I'm done with it. I'm done with the struggle. I'm done with the constant just barrage of emotions that, 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 that make me go from extremely highs to extreme lows. Like I'm done with it and we have to take a step. And today I want to share with you five steps. These are five steps that we have to take, right? In order for us to come out of the cave with our emotions. The first one is, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, convicted the you-know-what out of me this week. (laughs) Step one is we got to take a step towards a healthier lifestyle. We got to take a step towards a healthier lifestyle. In verses five through eight, it says that, that then he laid down under the bush and he fell asleep. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, hey, get up and eat. Now, I want you to notice something here in the text that God didn't tell him, hey, you need to pray more. You need to read more scripture. Like you've been missing too much church. Like that's not what the angel tells him in this moment. In this moment, the first response is a response that is is touching him physically, not spiritually. And he says in verse six, he says, it says, he looks around. Now think about this for a second. Under a solitary tree, right? Nothing around. He looks around and there by his head was some crispy cream donuts and a big old ice cold glass of milk. <laughs> I guess that's my translation. That's not this one, but... Uh, but, but he ate and he drank, and then he laid down again. Verse 7 says, the angel of the Lord, look at this, comes back a second time and touched him and said, hey, get up and eat for the journey. The journey is going to be too much for you. And I love that last part. The thought came to me this week that, that God prepares us for a future that you and I can't see. 
Like we can see down the road in our lives, we can have some foresight in our lives, but only God can see around the corner. And I think what's interesting about this text is that that God recognizes the journey that's ahead and brings what is needed for the moment so that Elijah can make the journey. And it says in verse eight, it says that, that Elijah gets up, that he ate the donuts and that he drank the milk and uh, all the healthy people in the room would be like, that would not strengthen you the way that, you know. but it, it, the Bible says it strengthened, he was strengthened by that food. And he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. I think what, what kind of convicted me personally this week related to point one is that, that I think that there's maybe some times in our life that God is trying to do a work in our lives, but we're just too unhealthy to receive it. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about like maybe God is behind the scenes trying to do some things in our life, but we are so stretched thin in everything that we do that we're not healthy enough to be able to receive it. I find it interesting that before God could take him on a spiritual journey, which was very, very needed, that he first had to take him on a physical journey. And God speaking through this angel is like, listen, before, before I could give you any other steps or any other advice, you gotta, you gotta go take a nap. <laughs> you gotta grab some food. And he's like, he's got to do, you gotta do it again. Anybody say, I received that today. I, have, I, <laughs> I received that word. Get some food and take a nap. And so how do we get ourselves healthy enough to be able to receive God's solution for our situation? I, I think, as I think about myself and maybe the journey that you're on, that we've got to take control over our lives rather than allowing our lives to take control of us. You remember that verse that we read last week from Ecclesiastes in chapter four, verse Verse six, we even talked about this Wednesday night with the youth. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after a wind. I mean, a lot of us in our lives, we live the two handful kind of life. Like we push the limits in every area. We push the limits financially. We push the limits with, with, with work, like we push the limits with the type of stuff that we want that causes us to push limits in other areas. As a father who's got uh, three kids who play sports, like we push the limits and, 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 and kids sports and travel ball and we're going a million miles an hour just to kind of give our kids these experiences that, that maybe we didn't have. And, and we live our lives to the point so full and so like a hundred miles an hour that our lives were tired, 
we're exhausted. It feels like we're just kind of going through the motions. And the reason why that is a bad way to live our life is because you and I weren't designed to live that way. We weren't designed to live everything to the max in our life. I heard somebody say once that if we don't prioritize our life, someone else will. And I mean, there's plenty of coaches out there that will prioritize your family schedule by practices and games all over the country, all over the place. Like there's plenty of things that we do in our life that if we don't make a decision of these are the things in our life that has to be a priority, somebody else is going to prioritize it. Maybe that's why Psalm chapter 90 verse 12 says to to teach us, God teach us to number our days and to recognize how, how few they are and help us to spend them as we should. And I think this week, like the word that jumped out to me in that verse was the word spend. That I began to recognize that my time is like currency. And I'm spending it and I'm spending it and I'm spending it and I'm spending it. And then I'm wondering by the end of the week why I'm broke. (laughs) Why I'm broke emotionally. Why I'm, I'm broke and I got no energy. And it's because I'm spending all of my time on other stuff. So not only do we have to take a step towards a healthier lifestyle, but we've got to take a step towards God's presence. At verse nine, it says that there he went into a cave and and he spends the night and the word of the Lord came to to him. um, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replies that I've been very zealous Oh, I've been working hard, God Almighty. Like, like I find that interesting that he chooses the word to, the, to, to use that phrase, Lord God Almighty. Like, I'm working hard. And he's like the Israelites, like it's their fault. Like, they have rejected your covenant. They have torn down the altars. And they've put your prophets to death with the sword And I'm the only one left, God. (laughs) It's just me. And now they're trying to kill me too. I mean, can you hear? Can you hear the complaining in his voice? And he says in verse 11, the Lord said, Elijah, go out and stand. Take a step out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Look at this, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then he says that then a great and powerful wind that it tore the mountains apart and it shattered the rocks before the Lord, but, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was a earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, Earth, wind, and fire, baby. Earth, wind, and fire. Yes, in the Bible. They're in the Bible. <laughs> but the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire came, listen, look at this. A gentle whisper. Have you ever known or noticed how our human tendency is to look for the, the dynamic? But God is often in the intimate. We look for the spectacular. We look, you know, we want the goosebumps. We want all of that stuff. But when you think about it, God is more into the intimate. And maybe that's why God gives us this instruction in Psalm 4610 to be still. He says, be still and know that I am God. Have you ever noticed there's a comma there? Like, like God is saying, like, be still. And as you are being still, you're going to know. This word know means that it's a, it's a knowledge through experience. Like as you are being still, you're going to have this knowledge through experience that he is God. Now think about like, how, okay, okay, so how do we take that step? Like how do we take this step towards the presence of God? I think, I think we slow down, we quiet ourselves, and we worship. Those aren't really three different things. That's a progression of a response that, that we've got to slow down, that we've got to quiet. I mean, think of the society that we live in today. Think of how noisy it is, how demanding it is, all the different things that are pulling away from being able to slow down, to quiet ourselves, and to worship. You know, Jesus said in John 4, 23, he says, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father. They're gonna worship them in spirit, like all their heart and in truth, like with their, with their head, for they are the kind of worshipers. Now look at those two words that the Father seeks. That the Father seeks. Listen, if you're here today and you're struggling to find God in your life and in your circumstance. Listen, from this verse, all you got to do is worship him and he'll find you. You slow down, you quiet yourself, you begin to worship and God, the father will find you. So we got to step towards a healthier lifestyle, step towards God's presence. The third one, we got to step towards our true identity. But if we're going to come out of the cave of depression and anxiety and worry, we've got to step towards our true identity. In verse 3, it says that when Elijah heard it, when he heard the whisper, that he, that he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Now, when you think about it, our face, it represents our identity. Like we know who people are in this room because we've seen them. Their, their face is familiar, right? And so think of the fact like if we all walked in here and nobody had faces. Okay, don't think about that. That's kind of weird. But, <laughs> but you wouldn't know who people are. That was really weird. Um, and here we see Elijah, we see Elijah like feeling completely ashamed of, 
of his identity. It says, then a voice said to him, like, like, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replies that I've been, again, the same response. I, um, same question, same answer. Like, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death by the sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. I mean, think about this for a second. This dude has been used by God to do some amazing things in his life. And he gets an ugly old comment on Facebook or Instagram. And all of a sudden, his confidence is shattered. Happens all the time. All the time. I think even in my own life, there are seasons and and decisions that we have to make as a a church to, to, to follow God's heart and to move in the direction that he's leading us. And oftentimes in those seasons when we're having to make difficult um, decisions, I end up pulling away and not spending much time on social media because isn't it interesting how somebody can make a comment and it may not even be directed at you, but you read it like it's directed at you, right? And then all of the stuff that it begins to start stirring in your heart and your emotions, I mean, think about our lives and think about how we often buy into what the world says about us rather than what God says about us. And that's why you and I, that's why if we're gonna step out of the cave of our emotions, if we're gonna step out of it, we've gotta step towards our true identity. And that's one of the reasons why I I feel Um, as your pastor, that it is so important that you make it a priority to be here on the weekends. Because six days, and I don't know what the hours would be, but six days out of your week, everything that you're surrounded by is toxicity. Everybody is speaking towards the negative in your life and what they don't like about you and what you don't like about the world and the country and the direction things are going and and what you can't do and all of that stuff. But when you step foot into this place, you step foot into a place that will love you unconditionally. You step into a place that's going to speak life and potential and purpose into you. You step into a place where you can discover your purpose and make a difference in the lives of other people. That's that's something you and I all need in our lives. We need a healthy dose of encouragement, a healthy dose of, of being able to see potential in somebody instead of seeing all the things that, that are rejected in our lives that we need to be around people that can believe in us, that can speak life into us. Listen, if we're gonna step out of the cave, then we've gotta make a decision. It's not just gonna happen, it's gotta be a decision to turn down the voice of man and to turn up the voice of God in our life. And that's one of the reasons why in two weeks we're gonna start a new series and we're gonna take four weeks and we're gonna look at the word of God and we're gonna talk about why you can trust 
the word of God. And we're going to get super practical into talking about different kinds of translations and helping you find the, the, right, the right fit for you, talking about the importance of reading the word. I mean, we live in a culture right now that we're always too busy to get into the word, but we will never understand our true identity if we don't understand the word of God and what God says about us. I think one of the biggest tactics of the enemy is to get us so busy that we don't have time to read his word and we don't have time to pray. We don't have time to read his word so that it changes our mindset, that we begin to recognize our identity in Christ, that, that, that we get so busy we don't have time to pray so that it softens and cultivates our hearts, so that our hearts aren't so hardened by life and circumstances, but they're pliable to what God wants to do in our lives. And so we're going to spend four weeks and, and we're going to talk about the word of God and, and, and it's going to be great. The fourth thing, as we step towards a healthier lifestyle, we step towards God's presence, we step towards our true identity, we got to also step towards our purpose. In verse 15 through 18, it says, the Lord said to him, oh, this is, this is good. Like, go back the way you came. That's not what I would have written there. <laughs> he says, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. I find it so interesting that God never really answered Elijah's complaints, but instead tells him to go back the way that he had came. The way he came was through a town called Beersheba, which means a place of the oath. It's the place where Elijah would have, would have stood and said, God, I give you my life no matter what. And so what the Lord is saying here is, is to go back to this place, go back to the place where you discovered your purpose. Elijah, get back into the game. And then as you begin to look at the rest of 15 and 16 and 17, you see you see God telling him, hey, you need to go anoint this guy and you need to go anoint this guy and you need to go anoint this guy and Jehu's gonna do all of this. He's saying, listen, I'm gonna do this great work through you, Elijah. But notice what he says next in verse 18. Do you remember what Elijah's like problem was earlier? That he felt like he was all alone, it was all about him? And God's like, yet I... Reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. I mean, why do we need to take a step towards our purpose? Well, Proverbs 29, 18 says that where there is no vision, well, the people are going to perish. In other words, when we don't have something in our life that's bigger than our problems, when we're not living for something bigger than our struggles and the difficulty, then we end up in the cave. I love what Mark Twain says about this. He said, the two most important days in our life is the day that we're born and the day we find out why. The 
day that we're born, the day we find out why. Last week, I shared about Viktor Frankl, the Jewish psychiatrist, and Victor helped Holocaust survivors from, from committing suicide when they were, when they were released. And, and he said this about the meaning of life. He said, people have enough to live by, but nothing to live for. For they have the means, but no meaning. See, in order for us to be able to begin to move out of the cave, the cave causes us to, to shrink our world, to shrink our perspective. But if we're going to get out of that shadow, if we're going to get out of those emotions, we've got to take a step towards our purpose and to recognize that God, there, you know, it's not, God has not just called a few people to be up on a platform. God has called all of us. That in the Bible, it speaks of the one body and the many parts that we all have a, play, a, a part to play. I'm not doing this because I'm better than any of you. I'm doing this because I'm doing the part that God has called me to do. And every single one of us has a part. We got a part on the drums. We got a part on the guitar. We got a part on the keys. We've got a part um, rocking babies over in the nursery, praying over them today. We've got parts being played in the kids' ministry. Some of them are doing their part by leading games. Some of them are doing their part by teaching Bible lessons. We got some this morning that are doing their part by opening doors and smiling and welcome you, holding signs, making coffee. Like those aren't just little things that we do. It's about us discovering God's purpose for our life and taking a step towards it. Because if we never get to a place where there's something in our life that's far bigger than all of our problems, then we will lose purpose and we'll spend our lives in the cave. And then number five, we gotta take a step towards life-giving relationships. Have you ever noticed how when you get into the worst of your emotions, how you wanna withdraw from everybody? Have you ever noticed how you can be super faithful and committed to attending church on Sundays when life is good, but when life gets tough, it's nearly impossible to get ourselves to come into this place. I mean, it's a tactic of the enemy. What does John 10, 10 say? That the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and not just a little bit of life, but, but abundant. And so the enemy's tactic is to pull you away from the very things that you need. And God says, listen, we gotta take a step towards life-giving relationships. I love what Kevin Eikenberry said. He said, look carefully in teenagers, college students. Look at this. 
Look carefully at the closest associations in your life for that is the direction that you're headed. Like our relationships, the people that are in our inner circle, they matter. And it says in verse 19 that that Elijah, he recognizes this. He went from there and he found Elijah, son of, yeah. And he was plowing. (laughs) If I try to pronounce that, it might come out the wrong way. So I I decided to skip it. (laughs) I heard a snort down there somewhere. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair and Elijah went up to him. He threw his cloak around him. Elijah was like, I can't do this alone. Like I need a partner that's heading in the same direction in life that I'm heading. Listen, you and I weren't designed to live life all by ourselves. If we were, God would have created earth with 8 billion little islands and we would have our own right? Some of you are like, oh, that sounds good to me today. (laughs) One of my favorite verses, I think I shared it last week. We shared this with the youth too on Wednesday. And I think it's one of my favorite because I kind of have a little bit of a militant nature in me. Like I I I love war movies. I love the history of war. And I look at a verse like this and like, it comes across to me as like a man's kind of verse. Now it's all of our verse, but I don't know, there's just something about it that just, it speaks that to me. And I think think it's so fitting when we talk about how important the life-giving relationships are in our life. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse 12. But a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and then conquer. But baby, you get three in the mix. And for a triple braided cord, it's not easily broken. Friend, we've got to have life-giving relationships We can't withdraw from them. We've got to step in towards them. We got to come on Sundays and we got to look for opportunities to shake hands and to meet new people. I know I'm an introvert that freaks my world out, but hey, we got to sign up for small groups. Like this summer we're going to be doing um, here in a few weeks, we're going to be talking about small groups and we're going to lead a big small group here on Wednesday night that, that I'm going to lead and we're going to do it down in the cafe and Listen, the content's gonna be great, but the small group is a vehicle for us to develop relationships so that when our world starts closing in, we've got those 2 a.m., 3 a.m. friends that we can reach out to and say, I need you here. I need you praying for me. I need your encouragement. The kind of people that recognize when you're not here and call you after a couple of weeks and they're like, hey, where you been? Those are the kind of people that we need in our lives. How are we gonna get out of the cave? Well, we gotta make a decision that I ain't staying here 
any longer. And I'm gonna take a step towards a healthier life. I'm gonna take a step towards God's presence, a step towards recognizing my true identity in Christ, a step towards my purpose, and a step towards life-giving relationships. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we give the Lord a round of applause? Can we worship him today? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to pray for you. And listen, we're not done yet. There's, I, I do feel led to, to um, give those of you that are in a season of, of worry, anxiety, depression, an opportunity to respond. Our prayer team and myself, we want to pray for you this morning. I believe God wants to do something special in your life. I just want to pray for just a moment. Father, Lord, may this be more than just words, more than just a sermon. Lord, may your word transform our lives. Father, we know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we know that, we know that our emotions it's okay to feel them, but it's not okay to stay in them. And so Lord, right now, I just, I speak over those that struggle with fear. I speak over those that struggle with worry and anxiety and depression. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit, that in this moment, that Lord, you would begin to break the chains off of our lives that have kept us bound in the cave. And that Lord, today, we can find the kind of freedom that would bring life and life more abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.